Good evening. Uh, if you have an accent, it's your problem, not mine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I believe we're going to have a good time in the Word tonight. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I heard Pastor Justin minister, and uh, the Lord just put something on my heart that I wanted to share and help wherever I can to build the ministry with Dr. Jerry Savell and with Justin and Annette and build the heritage of faith people here in Fort Worth. So I trust that tonight you will hear with the ears that the Holy Spirit gives you to hear with, that your heart will receive the words that he needs to impart to you, and that you receive it from him, and I'm just a vessel through which that he can speak tonight. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I have some slides I'm going to show you later on in my, in my talk with you tonight, but um, they don't have this scripture that I got late this afternoon when I was just spending time with the Lord preparing for this uh, meeting, and I'm going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now, I know you all know the scripture. Uh, but in the Amplified Bible, it uh, it's, speaks, it says it rather well. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. Amen. I want to tell you a, a story about my wife and I. Sharon and I have been married for 36 years. We're in our 37th year. I am still madly in love with her. She is the darling and sweetheart of my life. She's gorgeous. She's amazing. And uh, I, I can't stop talking about her wherever I go, because she's all that. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, when we first met each other, there was a, a brief period of time where I came out of the military service, and I was, uh, I was in the... I was transitioning in my life. My parents had moved to New Zealand and I was in transition and I went to a church and uh, I got involved. I used to play the guitar and uh, got involved in the praise and worship and wanted to serve the church and help them wherever I could. And my wife plays the, the, the piano. She sings and plays the piano. And so the pastor had known me through my father and through uh, the ministry that my father ran for, for many years. And so 
I mean, it wasn't just a short while then. I was leading one of the worship teams, you know. And the person that he put on the team was this hot babe <laughs> to play the piano. But she was also very feisty, you know, and had uh, strong opinions about things, you know. And so eventually I went to the pastor and I said, I don't think I can work with this person, you know. She's, uh, you know, she's difficult. So he looked at me and he said, well, I know what the problem is. I said, you do? He said, yes. He said, I think you're attracted to each other. I said, no way. Not a chance. Not a chance, you know. She's way too opinionated for me, you know. He had a long look at me and he said, hmm, we'll see. <laughs> Through our practicing praise and worship together, I got eventually to, to hear about who she is. And all I heard coming out of her mouth constantly was her passion for Jesus, Amen. her love for Jesus. And so I, even though she was this hot babe, it was, her, it was her conversation with me that attracted me. It was what she was inside, it was who she loved, being Jesus, that attracted me. And so I found myself, you know, making all kinds of reasons to discuss music strategies <laughs> at the roadhouse, you know, after the worship practice, you know. And so those days we still had roadhouses, you know, but uh, uh, we used to sit at the roadhouse and, and just talk and talk and talk about God and talk about the word and talk about life. And just, we just couldn't stop talking enough about our passion for Jesus, our passion for the ministry, our passion for the calling of God on our lives and, and who Jesus was to us. And, and the more we began to talk about it, the more I began to... Uh, realize this is, this is the girl for me. Six months later, we were married. <laughs> 36 years later, we are more in love with each other than we've ever been before. You want to learn some lessons from us? Let me tell you what we did not talk about in those times of getting to know each other. What we did not talk about was Ephesians. And I'm going to read you Ephesians. It is in the Bible. Most people don't preach about it. Most people don't talk about it. But it is in the Bible. It is the Word of God. And I'm about to read it to you. Okay? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 says this. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So that puts every spirit being on equal footing, right? Yeah, that's right. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. It is in the Bible. <laughs> As unto the Lord. I know it's not preached about a lot. It's not vogue anymore. But it is in the Bible. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. That tells me today that there's not a lot of self-loving men out there anymore. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, And the wife see that she reverences her husband. So this passage of scripture is as much a picture of the church as it is a picture about marriage. But in this passage of scripture, there is no ambiguity about the roles of a woman, a wife, and a man, husband. There is no ambiguity here. This is very clear. So, attraction definitely causes passion. So my wife and I were attracted to each other, and we became more passionate about being with each other. So, when you have attraction, then you have passion, then there's something else that's going to happen. That means you've got to do the word. When we were having our attraction and our passion was growing to be with each other, we didn't talk about Ephesians. Because that's not what you want to talk about. Right? When I got married, I found that uh, living with someone rather than dating someone is a very different experience. (laughs) And so when I began to live with her, it became very easy to find fault with her. And she with me. Now, bear in mind, I started off this evening by saying we are new creatures. Yeah. <laughs> you know, old behaviors have passed away and new things have come into our lives. This is, this is a positive thing. And I thank God for the fact that we are new creatures. Because 
this creature was having problems with the other creature I was living with. (laughs) And so this was a challenge. So I went to the creator of all creatures. And I said to my heavenly father, I said, Father, how must I respond to this creature? And he took me to Ephesians chapter 5, and he said, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. I said, so what does this exactly mean? He said, you die to yourself, like Jesus died for himself. So I said, well, Lord, what does this mean? He says, if you trust me, I will guide you and lead you in every way that you need to give yourself up for her. So, before I married her, I lived for two things. I lived for the church. I've been speaking in tongues since I was seven years old. I'm 57 years old now. That means I've been a tongue-talking Christian for 50 years. I gave my heart to Jesus as a teenager again a second time. And then I've served the Lord all my life. So when he said to me, husband loves your wives even as Christ loves the church and give yourself up for it. And he said, trust me and I will show you how you can give yourself up. I knew I wasn't going to give up anything that related to the church. The other thing I lived for before I met her was sport. And I was a fairly successful sportsman. I played a fairly high level of soccer in my country, you know. Um, so I played in a, in a fairly high league of soccer in my country. And uh, those are the things that I lived for. So when I got married, you know, babe, you've got to come along to all my soccer matches. So she said, after a while, she said, John, I didn't marry you so I can go and sit on the sidelines and watch you play soccer. She said, I married you because I want you. I'm having a problem with this creature. Can't she understand this creature? (laughs) So the Lord said to me, give yourself up for her as Christ gave himself up for the church. So what did that mean? What did that mean? I quit playing sport. Where's your rights, man? Where's you? You're standing up for yourself. I mean, surely there are things that you've got to do for yourself in life that give you joy and pleasure. That's not what this word says. So I said, okay, Lord, I'll give up sport for her. I gave up. I quit soccer. And I gave up sport. So what's the next thing I did? I started watching it on TV. Thank goodness the old creature passes away. It's a new creature. So she comes up to me after a couple of months. She says, John, I didn't ask you to give up sport so that you can watch it. I still want you. I don't want you in front of the television. I went to my heavenly father. I said, what am I supposed to do about it? He said, do what she asks. Give yourself up for her as Christ Gave himself for the church. 
So we sold the TV. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Guess what happened? We began to have conversations we weren't having before. We were going back to the passion of the attraction. Because we were not allowing other things to interfere with it. So what is it that, ha- that you know, happened to you when you became a believer? When you became born again and you got to know Jesus, it was his, you were attracted to the life that was him. There was no conversation at that time about sacrifice. There was no conversation at that time about obedience. There was no conversation about gifts and callings and purpose. There was an attraction to the passion that he was, that he gave his life for us, and we received that passion of him living and dying for us. And we received that, and we were attracted to that, and our lives became passionate about him. Have you seen most new saved Christians, how they behave. It's like they are, uh, they can't stop talking to people about Jesus. It's like immediately the next day they want to go and tell everybody. They want to phone everybody in the church, everybody in their family, everybody in their work, everybody they can, I found life. Don't you guys understand? I found life. Passion. It's because they got touched. They got touched by the life of Jesus. So what I'm sharing with you tonight is I'm sharing with you a relationship process that I saw in the Word of God that will help me explain to you how my wife and I have been able to live in the joy of our marriage that we've experienced from the time we started dating till this day. Our marriage relationship has increased in joy. It has increased in fruitfulness. It has increased in every way. If there's anybody here watching by the internet or anybody here this evening that is listening to me and thinking, well, you know, I haven't had that experience. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. From this moment onwards, you can live in this process that I'm going to teach you tonight. It will help you for your personal life. It will also help you understand what God wants you to do to be with Pastor Justin and Annette, Brother Jerry, and how you can use this process in your life. So if you can put up that slide, please. So the reason you receive Jesus in your life is because he had a covenant which he made with himself, the heavenly father. And that covenant is available to you. All you have to do is receive and believe. That's not a conversation that goes any further than just receive life. Make a choice for life. 
Be passionate about the attraction. Be attracted to the life of God and live in the life of God. When you get born again and when you get saved, there is a thing that happens that you want more life, more life, more life, more life. Don't you? The difference between what we have in Jesus and what other religions, and I want to even include uh, Christians that are focused on laws and ceremonies. The thing that we have and we proclaim and we preach as a people is we preach intimacy with God. Intimacy with His Word. One day I was looking for a a word, a definition for intimacy. And uh, I found a preacher preached it. I heard him say something about it. and, And I've eventually made it mine over all of these years. And I wanted to understand what does intimacy mean. And intimacy is into me, you see. (laughs) And so, you know, when you get attracted to Jesus, you become passionate about Jesus, and then you're into me, you see. You're into me, Jesus, the Word. You're into me, the Father. And there's this great overwhelming sense of, I've got to know more. I've got to be more with Him. I've got to be connected with Him. I've got to grow. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for, to help us grow to be like Him. Hallelujah. So touch is, the, is where we start, where we receive Jesus in our hearts because He touches us with His covenant. So everything starts with His covenant. Then we get touched. The next thing that you will begin to find out is that you have to integrate ways. And uh, that's what I began to find out with this other creature I was living with. Was When I was living with this other creature, I found out that dating someone and integrating ways with someone is very different. And you need, you need help from the Holy Spirit and from the Word of God to integrate your ways. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for us to help us integrate our ways with Him. So I'm going to just go back and make sure that the Word of God covers this. At the end of, the, of my message tonight, I'm going to talk to you about and show you the pattern that God has created. So, you know, everything that I, I, process, I process the Word of God this way is that I see God does everything based on principles. You could say His ways, you know, and it has a pattern to it. So everything God does that His ways has a pattern. So principles have a pattern. So if you're looking to, to not get uh, yourself, you know, uh, in a place where you're all kind of flaky about doctrine, then you can always back it up with a pattern. If you see a pattern in the Word of God, then you can be sure you're finding the truth. You know, and so I'm going to show you there's so much pattern about this in the Word, and I'm just going to talk to you about the life of Abraham at the end about the pattern so you can find it for yourself. But the covenant beginning is John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we start with that covenant that we receive everlasting life. We receive the way of God in our life because he died for us. 
The next part is touch. And so I have some definitions here for you. And touch means to affect emotionally, to be relevant to, to focus on, be in direct physical contact with, or have an effect upon someone. So we are touched by his love, and we are touched by his word. Romans 10 verse 8 and 9 says, what, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess thy, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans that, uh, 10 verse 10, I'm going straight to the Message Bible, says, with your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it out, right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. Yes. Hallelujah. I think this is, this is about touch, don't you think? Yes. That he's really wanting to understand he's passionate about us. He's wanting to always touch us. The difference between our walk and anybody else's walk is that we can have intimacy every day with God. In fact, the minute you begin to lose your intimacy with God, that's when you begin to allow other things in your life that you become intimate with. So if I continued to be intimate with my sporting career, where, where was the intimacy going to stop? So my first response was to go to the one who actually has directed my life and say, what do you say about this creature? And he said, well, I've taken care of it and I want to show you, just give yourself up for this creature. And as I continued to give myself up for her and she made other demands on me, and every time she made a demand on me, I responded to this scripture. Give yourself up, John. Give yourself up, John. Give yourself up, John. I made no demand on her. I went with all my demands to my heavenly father. And I said, this is not fair. She's not giving up anything. I'm doing all the giving here. That's the way I felt. My friends felt that way too. I had lots of friends saying to me, John, you know... I was uh, the equivalent in South Africa. I was an equivalent of an airborne ranger in America in the military service. They said, we don't know you like this. Where's your backbone? You know, where's, where's the guy that's like, you know, doing all these push-up sit-ups, you know, fighting, doing all that stuff that's got grit and guts and determination. All you do is you're a wimp saying yes to everything she wants. I said, no, I'm not. They said, you are too. I said, I'm not. She said, Everything she asks you, you do it. I said, well, that's true, but I'm not doing it for her. I'm doing it because my father said, if I do it, there's something changed, something's going to change in her. And that's what happened. As I began to love her without demand, she began to realize this man completely loves me. He really really loves me. There is nothing that I can ask him that he won't do for me. What do you think it did to her? Remember, I started off by saying that what I was attracted to her was her love for Jesus. So what happened to her? This is not a marriage uh, 
meeting, by the way, <laughs> tonight. But get out of it whatever you want. You know. But what began to happen to her is that the power of the love of God that was in me for my heavenly father, that I would obey him so completely in the word, that I would so completely do the word in this situation, that she couldn't help but recognize that God is so powerful in my life that I am prepared to give up all of my ideas about what manliness should be that I was taught by every other man who didn't have a successful marriage for the word of God to become my marriage platform. And as I began to do that, the word of God began to change her. And suddenly she started to make changes and she started to adapt herself and she started to begin to do different things. I ask you, what do you think happened to the intimacy in our relationship? The passion kept rising. Hallelujah. I'm going to to move on to integration of ways. John 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. So, do you know, when, when we were attracted to each other and talking about being with each other, we didn't talk about integration of ways. And when, the, when you are attracted to Jesus and to the Word, there is no conversation that happens about integration of ways. It's just receive my life. Yeah. I paid the price for you. But when you begin, begin to pursue him because his love draws you. He says, now that you have chosen life, I want you to have more life. And so the way you have more life is you must integrate your life with my life. So what is death? Death is only simply the separation from the life of God. So every choice that you make and I make is either a choice that's, that is drawing us closer to God or it's moving us away from God. Because He is life. And everything that He is is perfect and pure and holy in the universe. And everything that He says, everything that He does, is perfect and pure. So if I make a decision to follow Him, then I find everything that I need in that life. The word integration means combining or uniting. It's, a, it's an occurrence that results in things being united. It's joined for a common purpose or in a common action. So, you know, the etymology of this word, which is the root of this word, etymology means root uh, of this word, comes from the Latin, which is integer, which means whole or fresh, and so the verb of this word, please don't let me lose you now, is to form into one whole or to make entire, to complete, to renew, to restore, to perfect. So when we begin to integrate our ways with God, He begins the process as you choose integration, 
My ways become His ways. He begins the process of restoring, refreshing, renewing, beginning to perfect you. That's why He can say, be ye perfect even as I am. Be ye holy even as I am holy. It's maturity. It's perfection. It's living in Him. The next level is, and I, I'm still going to talk about the creature that I married in a few, few more minutes. Because so. the next level is strategic intentions. And so this is what happens in the relationship is, if you live in a relationship that's all about touch, and you never move to integration of ways, you cannot experience the fullness of the person. Because the person is not just about what you touch. Intellectually, emotionally, and physically. The whole of the person is the very essence of that person. The uniqueness of what God created in that person. If you want to touch that person, then what you've got to do is integrate your ways relationally, and I'm talking about relationship, to discover who that person is. That takes time. I, I watched a video, a YouTube clip of Brother Jesse Duplantis standing in this pulpit, you know, a couple of years ago, and he was quite emotional that day, and he talked about he doesn't have many friends, because, and he speaks very fondly of Brother Jerry and Miss Carolyn as being his friends, you know, and he said at that day, because friendship takes time, yeah. friendship takes investment, it does. So, if, you're a, if you have a marriage partner, then you, and you might, if you've lost your friendship, you know, I have a, uh, I have a, I don't do much marriage counseling anymore, but in the beginning, I, I used to, when I did, used to do a lot of, I have other pastors that do that for me now, but when I did a lot of marriage counseling, uh, I wouldn't waste my time trying to, trying to help people in their marriage if they couldn't answer this question for me. And the question was, are you willing to live for God with everything you've got? Because if you don't want to live for God with everything you've got, then you can go to any marriage counselor and whatever they tell you will be as good as what I can. From a psychologist to a psychiatrist to a whatever psych anything you want to go and talk to, Whatever they have to say will be as good as what I can say to you. Because if you don't live for God completely, then anything I've got to say to you cannot work. Because one creature at war with another creature is all that's going to, you're just going to keep shifting the goalposts. The war is going to just shift from one thing to the other the whole time. And when, the, when you've discovered that the war ground is too complicated, you just say, I can't war anymore and I leave. You can shout me down because I'm preaching really good. <laughs> Amen. And that's actually what the enemy's entire strategy for the Christian is all about. He wants you to be at conflict with other creatures, and he wants you to be in conflict with your own self-creature. 
so that you can focus on this conflict battleground and the conflict with other believers battleground because if he gets you on this battleground, you never win. The war just keeps shifting from one issue to another issue to another issue. And this church has got this problem and that church has got that. And that person offended me and that pastor offended me. And so you keep shifting war ground all the time. Because you can never be happy because the enemy is wanting you to focus on the creature. And war with the creature, yourself first and then with others But if we just say, Father, you are the creator of this creature and all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you empower me to live like you. It's not an excuse to live like I want. You empower me to live like you want. That's what the Holy Spirit's there for. That's the power in the word. That's his intimacy promise with us. If you spend time with me, I will change you. Hallelujah. You see, because then, once you've integrated ways, you move to the next level in relationship. And the next level is strategic intentions. And John chapter 15, verse 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What's this talking about? This is talking about bearing much fruit. So when you begin to get to that place, so the word strategy is mostly used in in the context of war. So just remember what I said about the enemy wants you to focus on the creatures. And he said a battleground for creatures to fight against creatures and you yourself to fight with your own self-creature. So, but if you have God's strategic intentions, then he gives you a plan of action. He gives you a game plan for your life. And he gives you the ability to live a high level plan to achieve one or more goals under the conditions of uncertainty. So do we live in a certain world? We live in a very uncertain world, don't we? He gives us the ability If we are abiding in the vine, he gives us a game plan. He gives us a strategic understanding in uncertain conditions how to behave. Pastor Justin's been speaking about listening to the person of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. If you abide in him and he in you, then the person of the Holy Spirit and the word of God will guide you and lead you. Many people over the years have asked me, how do I know the will will of God for my life? And my answer is almost always very simply. Do what the Bible says, then you will find out what he specifically says for you. The, The problem with most people today is they want to know what God's revealed will is for their life before they understand what his written will for their life is. So first, you've got to, the Bible says tithe. Tithe. The Bible says, love your wife. Give yourself, do it. Wives, submit to your husbands and love them. Honor them. Yeah, but you don't know how he treats me. 
I do know. My wife had a temper. If she was here, she would give me full permission to say this because she has said this publicly many times herself. We have done many marriage seminars this way. I'm willing to talk about this stuff as is my wife because the body of Christ needs to have someone who's willing to say this stuff. And, uh, you know, she had a temper when I married her. That was part of my problem with that creature. (laughs) When we had a difference of opinion, she would get angry and mad. I mean, really mad. I mean, like, you know, walk into the kitchen, take mugs, throw them against walls, you know, break them. I'm talking about slamming doors, kicking holes in doors. Yeah, yeah. Not Sharon. You see, what happened was when I had trouble with that creature, God said to me, love her as Christ loves the church and give yourself up for her. I obeyed another scripture at that time, and this is just for free. And that scripture was, you know, uh, where, where strife abounds, there is evil. So the word said, I just obeyed the word that says, don't let strife come in. So whenever she went to be warring with, her, with me, I'd say, babes, I'm not fighting. That made her more mad. But I said, I'm not fighting. <laughs> I'm just not fighting. And, and, and so, you know, her favorite thing at that time was, well, how are we ever going to fix anything between us? When you calm down. Well, that made her more mad. <laughs> but you see, we both were had, a, we had a passion and an attraction for his word. Right. And so she understood that my temperament was less volatile. I was just stubborn. Let me tell you, a stubborn person can be a terrible thing in a marriage. can be as bad as a violent thing. <laughs> just stubborn, stubborn, and stubborn. And if you get a person who digs their heels in and stubborn, it can be challenging. And so that was me. When you get into stubborn mode, then you get into quiet separation mode, and you give the silent treatment. Well, for Sharon, that was just like a red flag to a bull. I want to talk about this. So I had to do the word of God in my life, and I had, to, I had to speak to my stubbornness and say, you have to put yourself under and not be stubborn. And you have to allow yourself to let the Holy Spirit teach you how to communicate. She had to do the word, which she did do. She said, Father, this temper has to leave my life because I recognize that this violent behavior of mine can destroy my marriage. And she took the word of God, and if she was here, she has taught many hours on this because she understands with people that have this kind of problem, you have to get that under control by the word of God. You see, this is part of the integration of ways. Because there's a bigger picture coming still. It's the strategic intentions. Because when you deal with these issues, when you deal with these things in life, we had no clue, Sharon and I, that our late 20s and early 30s, you know, our pastor who at that time was a church of thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people, actually, you know, he asked me to be in charge of the business people's fellowship and he made me an elder, and he asked me to be part of his, his financial board. Young man, you know. And suddenly I had all of these people in the church who I didn't know. They would come up to us and say, will you help us with our marriage? We see you've got an excellent marriage. Well, how do you see that? Well, 
to us, what had happened is that we had worked on our marriage constantly, continuously, all the time, that we were living a way which we didn't realize how other people were watching us. And as they were watching the fruitfulness of our life, from touch to integration of ways, the strategic intentions of God began to be manifest and our fruit began to show. And people's lives began to get attracted to this word, life, that was in us. So eventually, my pastor said, John, you should run a, you should run a seminar in the church, run, a, run a, a course in the church. And so I named it Faith, Finance, and Family. And I had, you know, hundreds of people that used to come to the courses to listen to fruitfulness, strategic intentions. It's what God had in mind. And that leads us to divine productivity. If you, John 15 verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So now this is what you desire. Why is it what you desire and it shall be done for you? Because now the productivity level increases because you desire what he desires. And so now you're not living for his touch anymore, although you never live without his touch. You don't have to live working all the time on integration of ways because you've done that and you always, that's why it's in a circle, you always integrate ways. And as you grow, you always have to integrate ways. And as you know each other better, you have to integrate ways. You know, and as you integrate ways, strategic intentions of God begin to get known to you and you don't even know what they are yet, but they are waiting out there for you to bump into them and for him to reveal them to you, but you can't get there until you integrate your ways with him first. I got news for you. One of the ways you integrate ways with God is you show up to church every week. Not only do you show up to church, but you go to Romans chapter 12 and you read from verses 6 to 12 and you learn 6 to 9 actually, but go ahead and read to verse 12. It's all good for you. You know, it starts off in the Romans chapter 1. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. First, sorry, verse 1 says, present your bodies to Jesus as a living sacrifice. Verse 2 says, conform, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then it goes on eventually to say that we've all been given the gift of faith and we've been given the gifts. Every one of us have been given gifts. And so if you read there, you have a gift. You will find yourself in Romans chapter 6, 12 verses 6 to 9. You will find yourself there. You will. If you want to know what God's blessed you with, it's there. So whatever the gift is that you got, you show up to church and you say, I'm bringing my gift. Why would I want to do that and give up extra time to be involved in the church? Well, you're integrating ways. Because as I do the written word, he's going to start to give me the revealed word for my life. So the written word integrates ways, the revealed word reveals strategic intentions. Because now when we're in strategic intentions and we have the written word and we are integrating ways and strategic intentions, my desire becomes his desire. His desire is placed in my heart. Now we have divine productivity. 
Because we're doing the will of the Father now. That's why that scripture in uh, Mark, uh, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, no, Mark chapter 4, talks about the sower sows the word. Mark chapter 4, read it. The sower sows the word. Your sowing seed financially is as a result of the word that you've sown in your heart. When your heart brings forth 30, 60, and 100-fold return of the word, then you experience 30, 60, and 100-fold return in the natural world. But the sower sows the word. When the word becomes divinely productive, it reveals itself in the natural. Hallelujah. Most people want to say, well, my seed, which is my money, must do the work. No, it's not the money that's doing the work. It's the word that's in your heart that's doing the work. And when your word does the work, when the word does the work in your heart, you're in the productively divine production level, divine productivity level. You begin to access the 30, 60, and 100 because the word is growing 30, 60, and 100 fold in your heart. Then your seed just becomes an out, outflow of what's in your heart. You should be shouting up and down right now, jumping up and down and shouting and screaming because this is good stuff. Hallelujah. And then finally, we get back to covenant. And I'm going to read John 15, verses 12 to 17. It's five verses. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. This is covenant. You see, because you've integrated ways here, he's revealed strategic intentions to you here, and now he's saying covenant is you've got to behave this way. Every time you show up to church and you begin to give yourself, not only are you integrating ways, you begin to set yourself up for strategic intentions. You begin to set yourself up in a way where God divinely begins to work on your behalf to make your life more productive. Church will do that for you. Serving your pastor, serving your local community, your people around you will do that because of this scripture. No, you can't do more than you lay down your life and you love your brother. When you show up to church, you're doing that. Amen. When you show up and give of your gift, you are doing this. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Strategic intentions, divine productivity is flowing here. Covenant is flowing here. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. 
A covenant is a formal alliance or agreement made by God with a community or with humanity in general. Hallelujah. Covenant. I trust, I'm going to talk about Abraham in a minute and then I'm done. But I trust that this has given you a perspective. Because, and I used my marriage with my wife because what you're, what you're seeing here was me searching God. Searching, spending time with God and saying, Lord, give me a way that I can communicate with people. That I can show them what you're all about. Because most people want to live in the touch realm. That's like the children of Israel living in the wilderness for all those years. They got fed everything. They had regulated heat and, you know, air conditioning. They had clothes that didn't, you know, they had the latest fashion all year, every year, same fashion, you know, nothing changed. It was God was taking care of them. They were living in touch. And in fact, God got mad with them because they refused to integrate their ways with his ways. Every time he did something, they doubted him and spoke unbelief and they had an issue with God. So he could never reveal to them the strategic intentions. Eventually, he gets them to the point where he says, I'm going to reveal my strategic intention to you. And so they take 12 spies and they send them over to to the land that he had for them. And they come back and 10 of them says, we can't do this. Why did that happen? Because they were not integrating ways, so they couldn't understand the strategic intentions of God, which is totally to annihilate and obliterate the enemy and give them houses that they didn't build and dwells that they didn't have to dig and have fruit and vines that they didn't plant. And God had all of that for them, but because they didn't integrate ways, he couldn't show them their strategic intentions. And they couldn't live in divine productivity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know? Do you know that the church is called the, the 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 Israel is called the church in the wilderness? In the book of Acts. It's called the church in the wilderness. Because there's so much of the church in the wilderness. They want to live in the touch of God. Touch me. Touch me, God. I want to worship you. I want to experience the touch of the Holy Spirit. Those are great things. I, let me tell you, I live for that. And you should live for that. There's no harm in living for that. But that should empower you and motivate you to increase your passion for the attraction of integrating your ways with God. And so as you integrate your ways with God, oh, okay, Lord, you say tithe, I'll tithe. Okay, Lord, you say I should go to church, I'll show up at church. You say my gift should be known to my, to my local church where I'm planted, I'm going to make my gift available. These are basic instructions that the Word of God says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's right. It's a basic instruction. Do the Word of God. Love your husband, love your wife. Like God says in Ephesians, do it that way. Oh, but then I've got to give up so many other things. That's not harmful to you. I promise you, it's only good for you. I don't see that right now, you know, because I want to watch the next ball game. And there's so much hype about my team winning the World Series or winning the whatever. Hello. And and maybe I've got to not spend my time watching that and I've got to give my time to building a relationship with this creature. 
that I'm living with. And so you might be saying, well, I don't think I want to do that. Why not? It's only beneficial to you. Yeah, but she, it's not fair. I said that too. And the Lord made me a promise. He said, you do my word, son, and you will reap the return and the reward. And I can honestly say to you today that after 36 years, I can present to you my wife in glorious splendor, completely washed through the water of the word of my love and the love of God that has washed her life to the point where I have been away from her for some weeks and she's been preaching in the churches and she's been leading the ministry, uh, which, which takes a lot of activity and stuff to do, you know. And uh, I spoke to her today. She said, John, I didn't check this with you, you know, but, but the Lord just impressed it upon my heart and I did what you taught me to do. I said, what did you do? She said, I got all the pastors and the leaders together and I said, now this is what Pastor John would do. And she says, the Lord has laid it on my heart to do a holy vigil for the next 12 or 14 days that I'm here in America. A holy vigil. What that meant was they're going to pray every night for one hour, 15 minutes. There's a reason for that exact number. One hour, 15 minutes. For the next 10 to 14 days, they're praying for me. So the reason she called the whole team together was, am I going over the top? Am I making too much demand on people's lives? Am I making too much demand on the time? You know, this is so sudden. This is so sudden. She says, but the Holy Spirit is all over me. I've got to do this for the pastor, my husband. That which I did. 36 years ago is gloriously splendorous to me. Hallelujah. Here's the thing. Part of what I knew happened to me, and a lot of what I'm teaching you today is because when I was at war, creature to creature, a man came to our church from Raymond Tulsa, He came to our church to South Africa, and he came and he preached a message on relationships. And we got one thing out of that message, and it was this. He said, whatever you do, speak these words over each other. You are valuable and precious to me. And so we got that thing out of his message. And so we just started to say to each other, you're valuable and precious. Let me tell you, at that time, I knew often We both knew that we are faking it. (laughs) This is not real, man. You know, what you're telling me is just by faith. Exactly. You're valuable and precious to me, Sharon. Yes, you are valuable and precious to me, John. And five minutes later, we are at war. What happened to the valuable and precious? 
Well, what happened to the valuable and precious is that as we obeyed God, we kept saying it more and more because we realized the power was in our words, the power was coming out of, and it was building in our heart, and it was coming out of our mouth, and it was building in our heart, it was coming out of our mouth, until the power of your valuable and precious became so strong in our lives that when we went to war, we couldn't war anymore because we understood that evil was about to present itself to us, and we loved each other with such value that we couldn't do that to each other anymore. I can say this with absolute confidence. Sharon and I have not had a fight in probably 30 years. No, Pastor John, that's not real. It's the word. Because we've learned enough that we don't war. We take the war with the word. Hallelujah. I'm nearly finished, Pastor Justin. I want to show you the pattern in the life of Abraham very quickly. So Abraham, God touched Abraham in Genesis 12 verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. God touched him. How did he, why did he touch him out of a covenant with himself? He, he gave Abraham touch. Next thing, Genesis 17 verse 10, integration of ways. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee, every man, child among you shall be circumcised. Verses 21 to 27. My covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. So God is proclaiming and prophesying 12 months from now, Abram, Abraham, you are going to have a child. And his name's going to be Isaac. And Abraham took Ishmael his son and all that were in his house and all that were bought with his money, every male among them, the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. And Abraham was 19 years old and nine. 99 years old when he did that to his self. And when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the selfsame day, Abraham was Abraham circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, and all the men of his house, born in the house, and bought with the money of the stranger, were circumcised with him. I'd say that's integration of ways. Painful, at the very least. Come on now. So God establishes the touch. He makes, a, he makes a demand on Abraham, you're going to have what you need. You're going to have a seed, but now you've got to integrate your ways before you can have the next thing, which is strategic intentions and divine productivity. Watch this. Strategic intentions. This is, this is right after the circumcision. Come on now. It's right after the circumcision. And the Lord said... Uh, chapter 18, verse 17. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the ways of the Lord to do justice and judgment. He's talking about he's integrated his ways, and he's proclaiming that integration into generations to come. 
And the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, because of the, the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. What did he say? He said, shall I hide this thing from Abraham, this thing I'm about to do? He just said, you move from touch to integration of ways to strategic intentions. told you the pattern is there it's in the disciples it's everywhere i'm just giving it to you as quickly as i can tonight divine productivity in chapter 21 verse 2 to 5 for sarah conceived and bare abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which god had spoken to him and abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him whom sarah bare to him isaac and abraham circumcised his son isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. You see, he keeps going back to that integration of ways. He keeps, because he understands strategic intention and divine productivity are always about that. And then God takes the relationship from divine productivity to the ultimate level, which is covenant. Now this is, this is all initiated by God. Genesis 22, verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. God is making a demand on covenant. And verse 10 says, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Let me tell you, I have two sons. They are, they are very great in my life. They are, they are a great joy to me. And I'm sure that Isaac was no different to Abram, considering that he couldn't have children. Then God divinely gave him a child. Now he's asking for him, and he's very life, and he has a knife in his hand. And as he has a... See, what God knew in his heart is that Abraham would follow through with us. Because in every other integration of ways, he had done it. Every strategic intention Abraham had been involved in, he was following God. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And then in Genesis, verse, in verse 15, he says, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself I have I sworn. What's he talking about? If you sworn, if you swear, covenant. This is not foul language. This is an oath. By myself do I make an oath. Sworn, saith the Lord. Um, because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in the seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. 
I'm here to encourage you tonight that you have every tool at your disposal. You have a great church. You have a great apostolic spiritual leader in Brother Jerry, whom I also submit to. You have a great pastor, couple team. You have great leadership in this church. This is a church that has life in it. I want to encourage you that if you are wanting to have some change in relationships, and you might feel like, I don't know if my relationship can be restored, here's a way to start. Start with touching God, person, you, and God. Then whatever he tells you to do, start to do it. And one of the ways you can do it is get involved in the church. Get involved in the vision that Pastor Justin says. Let's do this together and you're there. Brother Jerry's been preaching, the faithful shall flourish. Become faithful, be planted. Because as you integrate your ways, He's going to start to reveal strategic intentions. Your gifts will become known. Things will become out. And as strategic intentions are known, you step into that life of divine productivity. And then the covenant power of God begins to work for you, and He begins to bless you and multiply you, and you will take the gates of your enemies. And you are the church of the living Christ. You are the church of the Lord Jesus. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. This is the promise that God has said. That you are the church. And nothing can stand against you. I say to you, rise up and be powerful. Rise up and be full of strength. Rise up and love the touch of the Lord Jesus. But rise up and integrate your ways and your life with Him. He's given you the power to do that. And then rise up as He begins to show you special things that He wants you to do. Obedience that He needs from you. And then you will find how easy it is that this creature no longer has dominion over you. And as you have dominion over this creature, then the other creatures that give you problem in your life, you have dominion over them. Hallelujah. This is a totally domination-orientated sermon. <laughs> Hallelujah. I pray that the Word of God is implanted in your life. It is deep and rooted in your heart. And that this Word will give you the tools and will give you the voice of the Holy Spirit in your ear and in your heart to say, I'm going to integrate my ways. I'm going to look for those touches. I'm going to look for the strategic intentions. I'm going to get involved with you, God. I'm not just going to sit on the sidelines. Uh, you have a game plan for my life, and I want all of it. Don't you want the game plan of God for your life? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to me tonight. Thank you for Pastor Justin.